welcome to Hanks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 63, The Woodies, the Tom Hanks Award Show. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, we have done it. This feels like the project that never ended. We are almost two years since the start. We started January 2019. There is so much that's changed since we began this project, but we are almost two years deep into this thing. We are finally through the gauntlet. Uh, we finished Cruise months ago. We finished so long ago. Oh, boy. We did those... What do we call them? Just the cruisies. Yeah, just the cruisies. Yep. We did the cruisie awards, and now we are putting a bow on this. Even though Tom Hanks is a new movie coming out, a Western, right? This year, maybe? I know. I, it didn't even occur to me the entire run that we didn't get a Western Hanks, but it feels perfect, you know? And I'm the one who was like, where's a cage in the Western? I want a Keanu Western. So it's very exciting. And also, you know, I'm sorry, I have to uh, formally apologize for a little spoily that I, <laughs> that I hit you with the night of, but uh, Hanks has a cameo in a certain movie out right now as we speak, so... So he's still uh, floating about there. Yeah, he is. With us tonight, someone who else saw that movie that now I think everybody who's seen it by now or who will see it has seen it by now. We're talking about Borat. With us tonight, back from our Lady Killers episode in the honorable, honorary Vanna White position, we have Bob Fisher. Hello, Bob. Hey, I'm happy to be here on The Woodies, an award named after both an iconic character in the Hanksiverse and an adolescent word for a boner. Yeah, it doubles as both. You're right. Yeah, I don't think we ever commented on that during the Toy Story series, but clearly one of those, you know, jokes for adults, right? That the kids might have just gone over their head. He's Buzz slang for anything? Well, for getting high, man. Okay, so it's uh, getting high with an erection. Yeah. Okay. All right. We have a handful of awards tonight. We had the voting open for a couple weeks. You guys all voted. We have tallied the votes. Uh, Mike and I do not know the answers yet. Bob knows the answers. He has all the power. Mike and I, powerless at the moment. We're going to go through, and the way it's going to work is that Mike's going to introduce category. He and I are going to give our award winners, our, our selections, and then Bob is going to unveil who you, the fans, the listeners, selected, and we're going to go from there. So, Mike, Without further ado, please kick us off with Best Dance Scene. Okay, so here we go. Best Dance Scene. And the nominees are Atop the Floating Suitcases in Joe vs. the Volcano. Dancing at the Consulate in A Hologram for the King. No, he's high in that scene, right? I think he's tripping. Yeah. Doing the Mashed Potato in Bachelor Party. Operatic Dance with the IV in Philadelphia. And Playing the Piano in Big. You know, there's one of these movies that I like more than the rest of them, but I feel like when you're talking about a dance scene, I think that it's it's fitting that we kick this evening off with this award because I think one of the most iconic, the most memorable Tom Hanks moments is the one I went with, playing the piano in big. You know, there's just, there's few things I think that embody his career in a way than, you know, him on that movie and watching the director's cut of that movie, the extended cut is not a good idea, but watching that scene is great. So I went with playing the piano in big. Mike, what about you? What did you pick? That's a very good choice. It was hard for me not to pick that choice, but I really wanted to because it's so iconic. It's, a, it's almost a duet too. It harkens back to like the old days of dance and Fred Astaire and things like that. It's really cool. But ultimately, I had to go with my heart. I went with Joe vs. the Volcano. Wow. Okay. You know, on, on top of the floating suitcases, all by himself, out in the middle of the ocean, doesn't know if he's going to live, doesn't know if he's going to die. He's just trying to keep Meg Ryan alive for uh, as long as he can and uh, entertain himself. He's, he's doing some dancing out there. Wonderful. Now, Bob, did one of us match the listeners or did they go a different way? And also, are they smart or are they dumb? Do you agree with them? I think they went with the obvious choice, the non-controversial, playing the piano in big. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I applaud. Do you agree with that? I don't you know it's iconic for a reason yeah but i gotta go with the top of floating suitcases that's hey i think joe versus the volcano is sort of a sleeper in all of hanks and uh 
I don't know. There's something really sweet about that scene. Well, in last week's episode, I think, right, Mike, this the episode that comes out as we're recording tomorrow, the most recent one that you edited, is our ranking Tom Hanks' movies. And I have that at my number two Tom Hanks movie. Like, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. and I think I voted for it a bunch later on, but I think that's why I didn't vote for it here, because I was like, you know, it's going to get love elsewhere. I think, if I remember right. I don't remember. I voted a long time ago, and I haven't looked since, but I have, I have my votes here. Let us move on to best party scene, with the nominees being Hanks and his gun in The Bonfire of the Vanities. Hot Tub, Hookers and Cocaine, and Charlie Wilson's War, The Pinball Machine Party in Toy Story 4, The Bachelor Party, the titular Bachelor Party in Bachelor Party, or The Bait Mansion slash The Bait Reunion in Dragnet. Mike, what'd you pick? Tough category. You know, one of these movies, The Bachelor Party, the whole movie's a damn party. Uh, another nominee, one of my favorites, Bonfire of the Vanities, just one of the craziest scenes in one of the craziest movies. But uh, as far as like party, I'd actually want to be at and attend and, and that whole nine. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Charlie Wilson's War. In a movie that, you know, I'm a little tired of, but it's still really, really, really great movie. It opens like with that sequence almost. And that's a really sort of strong entry into that character. It explains a lot. It, it gets a lot across. Um, so it's like a great scene and it's also like a killer party going on hot tub hookers and blow like you know in vegas come on i sort of surprised myself even with this one i might surprise you a movie i don't like i went with the bachelor party and bachelor party i think when there's a party in the title of your movie like it better be good and you know there's a donkey there that's something. A lot of people. I feel like in terms of a party scene, it's a pretty good party scene. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, you know, they actually, you got to give it to that movie to actually make it like an entire party. Like I've seen movies like Project X, right? That tries to be like a whole party for a movie that just drops the ball, you know, pretty early in my opinion. But like, yeah, they did a good job. All right, Bob, it's time to reveal. Did the listeners side with one of us again? Am I going to be two for two or did they go somewhere else? The listeners did side not with you. Joey, but they they went with uh, hot tub hookers and and blow. <laughs> wow, it's uh, a hard thing to turn down, and especially when it's with a, a what a senator. Charlie Wilson's a senator or congressman. Mm-hmm. I think so. I don't know. I feel like the, all the politics in real life right now has blinded me to movie politics, <laughs> even though it's based on real politics too. I don't know. I imagine that that was also covered in your in your Philip Seymour Hoffman movie one, right? Because he's one of the gust, right? Gusp, gust, yep. gust. Yeah, big, yeah. big point in that movie is that there's a T at the end of gust. Great role, great movie. A question for you, Bob. In terms of overall, like one time when we were driving, you're like, I haven't seen like any Keanu Reeves movies. And we figured out you'd seen probably like ten or fifteen, but like overall, it's so few it surprised me. Out of Hanks's like fifty five ish movies, would you say that you've seen like how many do you think you've seen? Most of them, half of them? Because I feel based on what I know about you, I feel like you've probably seen a lot of the early ones and then the big ones, but I might be wrong. He was in Saving Private Ryan, right? Yes, he was. Okay, so I've seen two. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I, I don't. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't add it up. A lot, probably. Everybody's kind of seen a lot. I, w- I will say that in this category, I was rooting for Dragnet, as I think you will find that I, I will be rooting for Dragnet throughout. Well, we have, importantly, in a couple categories, we have the music coming up, City of Crime, which I don't think I voted for, but like I have that song still stuck in my head, so uh, that movie has stuck with me. Yeah, if ever a song from a movie deserves an Oscar. All right, Mike, hit us with Best Fight. Okay, here we go. So for Best Fight, we have the 3D fight in Bachelor Party, Hanks against the Cannibals in the Far Future in Cloud Atlas. We have the fight inside of an ambulance at the end of The Burbs. 
We have Buzz and Woody versus the Misfit Toys in Toy Story 1. And we have the Gunfight in the Hotel Room versus Jude Law in Road to Perdition. I think this is one of the more difficult ones for me to pick because when you think of Hanks, I don't think if you think I don't think you think of him as a fighter. Like I think no, yeah. it's difficult. You know, we we did we did cruise and you know how many times do you take on five guys? There's the fight in the bathroom, then fall out against that one dude that they kill. Like Yeah, and eventually in like Jack Reacher, he just needs to throw like one punch per person. Yeah. Just all, yeah, he is the kid. Yeah, he's the, uh, you know, what do they say? Like, um, words are stronger, but not in his case. You know, like Hanks is the one who, who speaks with Cruz's all fists. Yeah, Hanks, it's Hanks, it's different. And I went with Buzz and Woody versus the Misfit Toys because I feel like it's the one of these that I've seen that's most vivid in my brain. I know that you love the 3D fight. I'm assuming you're going to take that one. But the Buzz and Woody versus the Misfit Toys, it just feels in a movie that like each movie beyond that is better than that. I think that that's one of the standout parts of the first Toy Story. And I love that. So did you go not to spoil your answer? but Did you go with 3D fight? Absolutely. I mean, that is still, I think, to this day, uh, one of the most creative sequences, especially fight se- ideas for a fight sequence. Like, it works on so many levels. Like, I almost wonder now that I think about it, if it was, like, ripped off from, like, a outlaw underground comic strip from the 70s that someone saw when 3D was, like, at sort of one of its peaks. And the director, like, wrote that into the movie because it's just so fucking clever. I love it. I'll never get over it. And you know, I'm, I'm very hyperbolic about it. I understand that. Like, it have been the whole run of the show, but I can't help it. It just always stuck with me. Well, Bachelor Party has won one award from each of us. Bob, who did the listeners go with? Or what did the listeners go with, I guess, more specifically? Because fights are not people. Yeah, so there's still some votes coming in out of Maricopa County, but this one... <laughs> This one's looking like a blowout, and it's neither of you got it. It is the gunfight in the hotel room in Road to Perdition. Really? Huh. Interesting. Fascinating. Okay. I've seen almost all of these movies. I haven't seen Road to Perdition, but I don't remember a single one of these fight scenes. I will give a peek behind the curtain to those listening that when Mike and I took the full list and condensed it down to the five or ten per category, there were a lot where, like, I just straight up don't remember any of this. Like, I just, <laughs> it's been two years, and to your point, Bob, like, some of this is just, like, not necessarily these, but some of the, like, the, the long list, like, kind of unremarkable. Like, in the moment, you're like, yeah, like, that's so cool. And then after the fact, you're like, wait, what was what was that even about? I don't, I don't know. So I'm with you. Like, I, again, Hank's not a fighter. Like, thinking about best fight in Hank's movie, it's like, okay, cool next i'd love to see them make an action hero out of him somehow though i think that's what's interesting about cloud atlas a movie that we'll be talking about a lot as this goes on because they do so many different things with him anti-hero and kind of action hero kind of and i think you know he's able to flex different muscles in that movie than he normally does because he's playing five or six characters right so maybe in this western movie who knows i don't know speaking of westerns with good clothes question mark best hanks outfit wardrobe we've got all six characters or outfits in cloud atlas all of his commercial costumes in the second season of Bosom Buddies, the baseball uniform in A League of Their Own, his cowboy outfit in Toy Story, and the tuxedo at the party, and all the other clothes in Big Mike. Which outfit, which wardrobe, which look did you find most iconic for Mr. Tom Hanks? So in retrospect, I think I should have gone with Bosom Buddies. I mean, not even the the stuff they dressed up as for their commercials, but like young Kip, you know, like hippie Kip and stuff. Like that was an incredible uh, outfit and wardrobe. But ultimately... 
I went with Cloud Atlas. I just think that the, all the period pieces were very interesting and unique, and he established completely different looks for for uh, all the different characters. And um, I especially love that suit he wore when he was the tough guy who threw the dude out the window. Yeah, I just got to give it up to that movie and to him and to uh, all the different outfits he got to wear. Well, I will hold it down for the one that you wish you gave it to. I went with Bosom Buddies. It's like looking at the pictures, like him and Peter Scolari in their outfits. Like I couldn't find the commercials because like, I don't know. Bob, have you seen any of Bosom Buddies? Are you familiar with Bosom Buddies? I'm not. As I understand it, it's about two men who are wear women's outfits because they, uh, is it, is it similar to Tootsie? Like they feel like they can't find jobs. So they, they wear women's outfits to take women's jobs or something like that. It's not jobs. It's housing. They get evicted. Their, their apartment building is getting raised, demolished, and they can't afford any other housing in town, but there's an all women's housing that they have to pose as women to afford to live there. Uh, so they work as themselves, but they live in the apartment building as women. And continue to live there after they get raises, which is the, (laughs) crazy part like that show jumps the shark very early but yes that's you know you, you're you're just taking kind of a shot in the dark that's not wildly far off because it's like how many ways can we justify what would not fly today yeah and if i have it if i have it right peter scolari is one of the scolari brothers in ghostbusters 2 who is a ghost <laughs> that the judge is so angry at the judge that they that they destroy the whole courtroom is that is that correct as well related i think perhaps to one of the ghosts that that come back yeah i'm not sure <laughs> And then both those ghosts play Lena Dunham's parents on the show Girls. So that's pretty exciting. Bob, who do the listeners go with? They went with Cloud Atlas on this one. In another another fairly large blowout with 38.9% of the vote. Wow. You know, Mike, we have not matched yet. We have not, you have not oh, deployed that. that sound effect that you're going to do for the match. Like we matched so often on cruise. We were such in lockstep. And now here we are flailing. But Mike, maybe this will bring it together. Although maybe not. This is a tough category. Best music. Hit us with best music. Yes. So a category we sort of recreated right along the way. It was like best soundtrack, best score, best this, best that. And I was like, let's just all around music. Mm-hmm. So we have Cloud Atlas, that wonderful suite. Dragnet already mentioned City of Crime, but also the Dragnet remix, which is just, you know, awesome. The music from Saving Mr. Banks of the Mary Poppins film. That thing you do, that catchy one-hit wonder, who could forget? And then all the Toy Story music from Toy Story, which is uh, Randy Newman, composer Randy Newman. Shout out to Kyle, Foodie Films, Randy Newman impression, number one. Okay. I went with the one of these that makes me cry or can make me cry. Not every time, but sometimes. I went with Cloud Atlas. It's just so beautiful. Very difficult. Uh, Bob, I'm sorry that your Dragnet did not capture my heart. Or Mike, that your favorite brothers in Saving Mr. Banks did not capture my heart. Or Charlize, that thing you do. Like, the O'Neaters, like, that one song is the best song in any of these. But, like, just the music, the orchestration of Cloud Atlas. You know, I literally went out and bought that vinyl, the soundtrack, the out-of-print score, after we watched the movie and talked about it for the podcast. Because, like, I need to own that. So I went with Cloud Atlas and no regrets. Mike, what about you? That is a great choice. Excellent. This was a tough one. It was pretty much between that and that thing you do, but ultimately I had to go for Dragnet. Oh! Like, it's kind of, I mean, half of it is sort of like a gag vote, but half of it's like not, because I also believe this movie deserves more recognition. Like, it's more than a joke. Like, it's actually a good 
comedy, I think. And it's also before like a lot of movies, like in the 90s, I think like all these franchises came back from TV into film. There was a Brady Bunch movie, Leave it to Beaver, Dennis the Menace, like all this shit was going on. And this like really came far before all that and was like, let's do it as a satire instead of like a crime movie. You know, it was almost aping Beverly Hills Cop and those kinds of things at the time. And they managed to strike while the iron's hot as far as music and like rap was getting big and coming into the mainstream and that damn Dragnet remix and the City of Crime rap. You got these two white boys rapping, you know, fucking forget Hanks. Dan Aykroyd, like standing there trying to rhyme is the best. So yeah, I had to give it some some respect. All right now, Bob, before you unveil the listeners, would you pick Dragnet? Is this is this one that Dragnet holds up for you or would you go somewhere else for you personally? I, I would pick Dragnet out of uh, like pure nostalgia. I think that thing you do is is like sort of a not to be fucked with pop song. Yeah. There's a bunch of songs in that movie, but there's the one that people remember and that's the big one. And so yeah, I'm wondering, Bob, is that what the listeners went with, or do they go somewhere else? Yeah, that's the one they went with, with 38.9% of the vote. Shockingly high vote for Saving Mr. Banks at 16.7%. Really? Okay. Coming in at number two is Toy Story, because, you know, You've Got a Friend in Me is also a kind of iconic song. And we've said it before, and we'll say it again, Jesse's song, or whatever that song's actually called, makes me cry. Like, I won the Oscar, it's just, boy... Man, Toy Story 2. I mean, they're all kind of gut-wrenching, but that one... I've never seen any of them except for the first one when it was in theaters. Really? Yeah. Well, 2, 3, and 4 are better than 1, but I don't know, you know, as a 30-something-year-old man, I don't know if you're going to... I don't think you need to. I think you're probably good, but, you know, if you want to go for it, we can make it happen. No. I think I'll Okay. It. Mike, when we did the cruisies, we kind of, I think we might have only had like one negative category. So not best of, not celebrating the best of. And then we did like one worst of. But here, there's a couple things that, you know, Hanks of the Memories was not as smooth a ride as Cruise Club. There were there were more more valleys um, than we were hoping for. And there's a couple things that we just, you know, just, oh boy. But yeah, this next one, worst love story, man. I think you were a little more... Uh prepared like i had these like i had rose colored glasses on as much as i could and then somewhere along the line i just had to throw them across the room and just you know kind of get in lockstep with where you were just much more realistic about the whole experience but (laughs) here we are so (laughs) we made it through to the end but here we go worst love story this is more like we're getting into the bigger categories now and i feel like when you know we don't think of hanks as a fighter maybe more as a lover but these not his shining moments we got hanks and Catherine zeta jones in the terminal hanks and christina marcillich in every time we say goodbye a movie that mike you don't even remember exists so i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing hanks and elizabeth perkins in big hanks and bess armstrong in parentheses his ex in nothing in common or hanks and sally field in punchline mike what was your least favorite of those oh this was such a tough one like i just feel like him and sally field are like poisoned together like they should just not make movies like between this and gump but ultimately i had to go for the one that is just like wrong on every level uh, even then uh, but way more now and big mike hit us with a wilson mike because i matched there too i'm right there with you wilson yeah especially during that extended cut which i for will forever like, if I could ever Little Miss Sunshine, is it not? No. If I could forever, like, wipe my mind in that, um, <laughs> <laughs> what's the Jim Carrey movie? You gotta leave it in there. You gotta leave it Little Miss Sunshine. You gotta tell me the name of the real name of the movie. Eternal right? Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine. If I could ever, you know, <laughs> e- 
little Miss Sunshine of the Spotless Mind myself. I, I wouldn't do it so I could rewatch a movie. I would do it so like I could either not watch the extended cut of Big or ever watch Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close again. Like it's not, you know, it's an experience not to relive, but to forever forget. Yeah. Like the other ones are just, there's no chemistry in a lot of them or the characters are written weird, but this is just like, oh no, there's something immoral and off about this. And I, <laughs> I'm not a fan. So I feel like most people who voted have not seen three or four of these movies because they're kind of or heard of them not seen for a reason so did the listeners go with big do we have a three-way tie here all three of us or do they go somewhere else no they they, they went with the sex crime movie um, <laughs> <laughs> big in parentheses sex crime yeah uh 44.44.4 percent of the vote they went with tom hanks and elizabeth perkins in big how old is tom hanks supposed to be in that movie 13. Yeah. Sure. I don't know why anyone would agree to do that movie, uh, do that part in that movie, but um, I have a weird favorite here, and that that favorite, feel free to cut this out of the final version of the show if you want, but I saw The Terminal in theaters in 2004. Wow. During this movie, I received a hand job, (laughs) and when the movie was over, when I was leaving the theater, the uh, girl said to me, that was so boring. <laughs> Not for me, I guess. <laughs> my, my favorite worst Hanks love story is The Terminal. I love that. And I also do want to give a shout out to Big that at least it gave us the Lauren Lapkus reverse Big scenario. And we have Todd, who was a little boy, became a big boy, and now is a little boy again with the big boy's penis. Big has given us things. And like the big transition has given us things. It's just that love story is awful. All right, Mike, let's let's turn the tide here. Best Hanks love story. What you got? Okay, so we have Tom Hanks and Annie Potts in the Toy Story franchise. Tom Hanks and Halle Berry in Cloud Atlas, a love that spans thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in Job versus the Volcano, but also their chemistry spans several more movies. Tom Hanks and Real Life wife rita wilson say that three times fast real life wife in volunteers r.i.p john candy and then tom hanks and shelly long in the money pit you know four of these are bigger than just one movie we got annie Potts spanning the entire franchise we got halle berry like you said spanning thousands of years we got meg ryan in three or four movies three and a half maybe and we got rita wilson in real life i think the only one who like has a short straw here maybe is shelly long uh, which is funny because her last name is Long and she drew the short straw. So, Oof, boy. boy. <laughs> this is one where I'm very, I'm very torn. I'm going to go with the one I went with originally. And I think there's certain people that we associate an actor with like Keanu and Charlize or Keanu and Winona, right? Like there's a couple that are just like, oh, like that's like, that's their on-screen partner. And I just, you know, as much as I love the Annie Potts thing, as much as I love the Halle Berry stories, like it's just, it's Meg Ryan. And it's Meg Ryan specifically in Joe vs. the Volcano, the three of her in that, four times they've been in a movie together. It's just, they have something together. And even though I don't love Sleepers in Seattle or You've Got Mail in a way that, like, maybe I should, I don't know, them together, and especially in that movie, is my favorite love story. So I got to go with Joe versus the Volcano there. Mike, what about you? Well, Wilson sound effect. Wilson! We matched for the cool. second time this evening. Uh, I agree. There's something really interesting going on with her in that movie, her performance, and, like, what's going on with their three different characters. They almost represent who's right for Joe at that moment. Like first he's shy. So she's shy. Then he's sort of being overt 
and ostentatious. So she is reflective of like dramatic and overt and ostentatious. And then he's kind of leveled out and she's like leveled out and they're all great together in the end of that movie. They're the match made in heaven and I love them. And I do like those other movies, you know, Sleepless in Seattle was sort of a, an awakening for me, I guess, along the way. So I also had to go with uh, Meg Ryan. And I guess we'll just throw in there that she directed that other movie where he makes sort of a cameo appearance. Ithaca. Now, Bob, did the listeners matches? I feel like they might have, but I don't know. So we've got what we call a, uh, a devil's triangle here, and that two of you and the listener all came together for 55.6% of the vote. Wow. Overwhelming. An interesting fact to add here is that Tom Hanks and Holly Berry received not one vote. Um, really? Wow. Presumably because even over thousands and thousands of years, your listeners are against miscegenation. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> We didn't have, like, hundreds of votes. We had enough that, like, zero is su- is still surprising. Boy. My personal vote for this is Tom Hanks and Shelley Long in the Money Pit. I think even though I have a soft spot for Joe versus the Volcano, I have a lifelong crush on Shelley Long from Cheers, and it's hard not to uh, not to want her to succeed in everything, even a pole and the best Hanks love story. Oh, I love that. That's very nice. Shout out to Shelley Long. Let us transition now from his female co-star to the broader cast best ensemble. Tough one. This is one of the tougher ones, I think, of the night. A League of Their Own, Bosom Buddies, Cloud Atlas, Saving Private Ryan, or the Toy Story franchise. Mike, in a very tough category, what'd you pick? Joey, this was almost impossible. Once we were able to even get it down to this many, I almost want to give it to all of them. But I have to give this some due, some credit, and I actually really think that this was... uh, This deserves it, but I'm going with Bosom Buddies. Wow, okay. Here's what's interesting about that ensemble it's like it's him and scolari and then all the women right so like donna dixon and wendy joe sperber and holland taylor and holland taylor who keeps popping up in things yeah. like she is in like everything we watch now seemingly yeah she's rufus's well i guess rufus was her husband in bill and ted we find out in part three she like rules over san Dimas in the future and stuff go back and listen to those episodes like this was surprisingly good them and those people playing those characters just like kept me involved kept me coming back and there's a lot of good like guest stars like i keep mentioning ernie hudson's on a later episode and stuff so everyone sort of came by and played really well with each other and uh, that was really early on and i think you know that was really impressive to keep that going for as long as they did my pick here surprises even myself, uh, which I think this is the second time I've said that, but I still am surprised. And I'm not going with the one with Vin Diesel in it, even though I have a Fast and Furious podcast. Go check out Too Fast, Too Forever. I'm not going to save a private Ryan. I thought in my brain that I went with A League of Their Own because just thinking about that thing in Madonna and Rosie and everybody in that movie, just wonderful. I went with Toy Story and I'm going to stick with Toy Story because I feel in a franchise where there are 30 or 40 voices and they're all just so great that it's hard to kind of, it just it's vol- it's sheer volume. Like there's more people there and they're all just so good and I feel, we talked about it on those episodes that even if a character is only on screen for like a couple minutes, like you know who they are and a lot of that comes down to the voice acting. So I think my pick of the Toy Story franchise controversial even in my own brain but i'm gonna stick with it bob what about you personally and the listener what would you pick and what do the listener pick? Well, the listeners are uh disagreeing with both of you and they okay have, they have uh maybe found a way to make you feel less guilty by selecting a league of their own i thought that might happen okay okay i think this is a this is a really strong category right all of these movies are, are pretty good for me it's a toss-up between a league of their own and saving private ryan I'll go with Saving Private Ryan because it got sort of a pitiful uh, number of votes. <laughs> so I'll, I'll toss it some uh, some love. That ensemble gets picked off along the way, right? Like that's <laughs> they lose one by one. <laughs> 
All right, Mike, bring us back. Speaking of one by one, best non-Hanks actor male. Hit us with another very, very, very difficult category. Very strong. So we have Denzel Washington in Philadelphia, Gary Sinise from Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, and The Green Mile, Leonardo DiCaprio in Catch Me If You Can, and Machete Kills Again in Space, maybe? Actor subject to change. Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies, and Peter Scolari, the buddy himself from Bosom Buddies. This is a very difficult category, like I said. Back-to-back, very tough categories. Mark Rylance, I want to give a shout-out. I'm sure that Bob will have more to say about this, maybe, but I think Bob's MVP in Trial of Chicago 7 in the new Sorkin movie is great in that, great in everything, really. Like, since, you know, since he transitioned from, I guess, Broadway, the stage to the screen, he's been great. I went with, boy, it's it's very tough, but I went with my favorite performance, the most fun, I think, of any of these. I went with Leo and Catch Me If You Can, because it's my favorite movie of all, like, six or seven in here. Boy, man, he's so good in that movie, and, like, people kind of, I think, gave me or us shit for saying that, like, we don't like Hanks in that movie, but I think it's because Leo is just so fun in that movie. Well yeah, so we match again. That's the third time tonight. I also picked Leonardo DiCaprio from Catch Me If You Can. And I think, you know, it's not that Hanks Hanks is great in that. They elevate each other so much. Like, you're supposed to love and hate both of those guys, and I think I do. I think, you know, by the end, it's like, I kind of don't like Hanks as a as a person in this movie, but I also kind of do because he's doing the right thing. It's like, I don't like Leo because he's breaking the law, but I do because he's sticking it to the man and he's getting away with it. So, great performance. All right, two-way tie. Bob, do we have a three-way tie or do the listeners go somewhere else? Overwhelmingly, they went with Leo in Cash Me If You Can. Really? 55.6% of the vote. Maybe the biggest blowout that we've seen so far. Wow. And some of that is to Mark Rylance not getting any votes because I think not that many people saw that movie. I know it was an Oscar movie and it's Spielberg, but I don't think anybody cares about that movie, right? That was one that like Tobin loved and Mike loved, but there's the post, like the other Spielberg movie late in his career I prefer, so I don't know. Oh, I mean I I quite like Bridge of Spies, but I just I just don't remember anybody talking about it. Even though it was the movie that I think introduced me and maybe everybody else to Mark Rylance. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you a question I've not asked yet. What came in second? What was the second most popular? Uh, you have a two way tie between Gary Sinise and Denzel. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. Denzel in Philadelphia is like is so good. He's so I mean, but he's also it's Denzel, right? Like it's just like he's great. He's always great. Like we know he's great. I was surprised to not see Gust on this list. He was on the longer list. He was a tough cut. I think we cut that one because they had a whole podcast celebrating him, right? We're like, he got his due. Go listen to P.S. I love Hoffman. P.S. I still love Hoffman. Go listen to that show. I think it was tough. What would you go with, Bob? Of these five, do you have a preference? Yeah, I'd probably also go with Leo. Okay. Um, and I feel like that movie came out during a time when maybe like all of Hollywood was obsessed with Boston accents, right? Doesn't Hanks have a Boston accent in that movie? I think so. He's got some kind of accent. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. the one with the knock-knock joke, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Bob, how do I set this up that I don't ruin everything? Bob has a new joke that I ruined even before we got to tell the joke, and I don't know how to get him to set it up, but do you want to set it up? And then you and Mike can play it out, because I want I want to share this with the world. I, I thought of a, a way to sort of bring the knock-knock joke into the 21st century. Like, the knock-knock joke is like a very a classic format, right? And, and it's almost impossible to improve on something like that, like the like the wheel, right? The wheel hasn't been improved on in forever. The knock-knock joke is something that has not been improved on forever, but I think that there is a way to bring it into contemporary life in a way that hasn't been addressed so far. So, uh, Mike, do you want to do a knock-knock joke with me really quick? Okay. Ready? Ding-dong. <laughs> 
And that's the joke. Man, all right. He had this whole ramp up in our text thread, and I, I totally screwed up. His, like, I ruined it, and I couldn't stop laughing, and I was on a Zoom call for work, and it was so it was so difficult to not completely lose my shit. I just, like, how, like, I just unintentionally just ruined it, and, like, it's so funny, and the reaction was great, but ding dong. Ding dong. Who's there? I got nothing. I got yeah. Uh, go go fuck yourself. That's what's in Catch Me If You Can, right? <laughs> yeah, Here yeah, go. yeah. <laughs> All right, best non-Hanks actor female. We have Gina Davis in A League of Their Own, Halle Berry in six different roles in Cloud Atlas, Joan Cusack in Toy Story, Julia Roberts in Charlie Wilson's War, and Larry Crown, or Meg Ryan in Joe vs. the Volcano, Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, and Ithaca. Mike, for the tough category, who'd you go with? So this is really tough because Halle Berry has six roles in one movie, but Meg Ryan has five roles over three movies? No, she got six over four. Ithaca. Don't forget Ithaca. Oh, damn. Um, Six over four versus six in one. I mean... It's tough because I was sort of voting for Meg Ryan in this category in the previous category for Love Story. And then by the time I got here, I was like, oh, right, shit. Like, here's all the movies she was in listed and all that. But ultimately, I went with Halle Berry because it's all one, like, stuff all being done in the same movie. And I think it's super impressive. And I think her and Hanks have really great, they're really cute together. Like, that's the word that just, like, comes into mind. <laughs> like, I almost don't feel like him and Meg Ryan in Sleepless in Seattle and You Got Mail were, like, destined to be together the way they are in Joe vs. the Volcano and stuff, so there's a little bit of, like, discrepancy for me there. But I went with Halle Berry. This is one, another very tough category, and I went with, you know, I said before that I didn't vote for it in the dancing category because it would pick up ground elsewhere, just like those mail-in ballots with the blue turn. I'm going Meg Ryan here, Joe vs. the Volcano, Sleepless in Seattle, you've got mail. Just, like, adorable, like, you're saying they're cute together. Like, just Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are cute together. Like, that's, I just love Meg Ryan in these movies. She directed Ithaca, right? So, like, she's even Mm -hmm. going above and beyond just acting in these movies. So, Meg Ryan is my choice for best non-Hanks actor female. Bob, you pick and the listeners pick. What would you say? for best non-Hanks actor female. Meg Ryan gets 50% of the total vote, with the rest of the pie chart being divided among everyone else. I'm also going to go with Meg Ryan. No, hold on. I'm going to go with Gina Davis. Okay. Although I think in in like the Hanks pantheon, obviously Meg Ryan is more important than Gina Davis, but I think Gina Davis in League of Their Own is a, a kind of special performance. Pound for pound. Yeah, but I do. I love Meg Ryan. We don't appreciate her enough these days, but she's really uh, like one of the one of the great romantic comedy actors of the last 50 years or so she was great in city of angels nicholas cage not you know one of his best movies but she's great in that she's great in everything right so she's she's wonderful i'd I'd love to see her you know she's been gone for a while and i'd like to see her uh make a comeback maybe uh True Detective Season 4. Oh, let's bring that hashtag back on Twitter. Remember hashtag True Detective Season 3? And it was just people just saying crazy pairs. Like, who would you pair her with in True Detective Season 4? Let's see. Uh, Meg Ryan and Julia Roberts. Ooh. Investigate crimes of the heart. Two people from this very category. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Hey, look at that. Julia Roberts is there. Mike, our next category, Best Death. Please hit us with that category. Okay. Speaking of hitting things, getting hit on the head with a gargoyle and then falling into a garbage barge off of a bridge in The Lady Killers. Gunned down in Perdition itself in Road to Perdition. On an exploding plane in Cloud Atlas. Shot on the bridge in Saving Private Ryan. And thrown through a TV in Tales from the Crypt. 
which I almost voted with just because it was so out of nowhere. I think we only had four nominees. We're like, oh, we got a fifth one now. We can round out the category. I wound up going with being shot on the bridge and saving Private Ryan just because it's so impactful to the overall story. I remember the other ones. This one stands out and just has earned this line. Like, it just, that's my favorite. I went with the saving Private Ryan. Mike, what about you? Yeah, we didn't really have a lot for this category either to really cut down, but uh, I, you know, I had to go with the most creative. I definitely went with Tales from the Crypt. What went through my mind during that is like he directed that episode so like he got to kill himself basically essentially and he chose to go through a television set and you know we mentioned too i think on that episode of the clip show about how like he just has like some weird thing about tv that just keeps popping up throughout his history and stuff you know he just makes like all these little jokes and knocks about how rot your brain and shit like that and here we go it it literally killed him (laughs) yeah now, Bob, in a category that's kind of filled with obscure things, what did the listener go with? Uh, they went with the, the one that I think is most iconic of all of these, which is uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. I have a question, because I haven't seen the, the thrown through TV in Tales from the Crypt. But before he's thrown through the TV, does the person that throws him through the TV do a quip like, hey, you're on TV or something like that? If he did have a line, it wasn't memorable enough to uh, to quote. Okay, well, that's my vote, too. I'm going for thrown through a TV in Tales from the Crypt. That episode, believe it or not, was, I mean, I don't know why I would say believe it or not, because it's not unbelievable, but it was directed by Tom Hanks. So if you want to check it out, it's on YouTube, the Tom Hanks episode of Tales from the Crypt. I mean, it's not worth seeing, but he plays a owner-proprietor of a VHS dating service. Has he directed other stuff? Did he direct that thing you do? He directed that thing you do, and he directed Larry Crown, which is the most mediocre, but not in a bad way, movie that you'll ever see. It's just like, oh yeah, that was pleasant, but I don't remember a single thing about it. Right, Mike? That's like, it's the most down-the-middle, pleasant, just three stars on Letterboxd. Like, yeah, fine, okay. Yeah, it's like a Xanax. Yeah. (laughs) Best line, our next category. Debbie, you're a hooker. I don't believe it. Although I probably oversold that because it's supposed to be sarcastic. In Bachelor Party, Houston, we have a problem. In Apollo 13, what I fear or predict is Mike's pick. I am Pardu, and I am a holy man in Mazes and Monsters. I love it. I love you too. I've never been in, in love with anybody before either. It's great. I'm glad, but the timing stinks. I gotta go. In Joe vs. the Volcano, I will not be subjected to criminal abuse. In Cloud Atlas, which is another one of Mike's favorites. I don't know. Maybe maybe that one. I don't know. I don't remember which one I picked, so I'm going to just keep guessing yours, Mike, before I as I, as I go through. I'm going to go do something productive. I'm going to go watch television in The Burbs. Life is like a box of chocolates in Forrest Gump. Ride like the wind, bullseye in Toy Story 2. Sunny, 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 sunny in Bosom Buddies. Or There's a Snake in My Boots in Toy Story. This is our first and maybe only? No, there's a couple more later coming up. One of the very few, though. 10 nominees. So Mike, which one did you go with? Is it one of the two that I selected for you? Surprisingly, no. Uh, If you could believe that or not. Because I think I'm on record as saying if I ever see Hanks in public, like I just, you know, if I ever like get the guts to say hi or I love your work or something, like I'm just going to approach him and say, I am Pardu, a holy man. It was very nice to meet you. And I'm just going to walk away from him. Yet I did not vote for that. I went with just the classic. I went with Apollo 13 with Houston. We have a problem. I mean, that line is just so iconic. It's just ingrained in my mind. And it's the one I think he uh, might be most known for if I'm, you know, maybe that or the or the Gump one, but I'm not voting for Gump. I regret it already, but I voted for the Gump one because <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what I did with these awards. I feel like because I was so dispassionate about a lot of this that I just kind of went with the, like the, the big scene, this one, like when you think of Hanks, I think it's the chocolates line. And it's, I hate, I don't like that movie. I don't say I hate it because I feel like that's stronger like i just i don't like that movie but that line man stands out so i don't like it that's what i went with bob 
listeners. Listeners also went with Houston. We have a problem. Okay. What about you? What do you think is the most iconic? Which one would you pick? The best Hanks line? I think those are two different questions. Most iconic is probably a uh, box of chocolates, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with the burbs. That's very good. You know, that's a personal fave. If I, if I had to preserve one Hanks movie for all time, it might be the burbs. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's very good. I feel like that one, and I think we talked about this, Mike, maybe on the ranking Hanks episode, that one came too early. Like I wasn't ready to appreciate it yet within the run of Hanks. And so I want to, there's a couple early ones that I want to rewatch that I think I would like, even though I love it already, like I would like Joe versus Volcano even more knowing where he winds up, right? So I got to I gotta give another shot to uh, the Burbs. The Burbs is also kind of the tail end of him being funny, right? He transitions from being like a comedic actor into being like both this romantic comedy guy and sort of hyper dramatic. But like, I feel like the Burbs is a transition movie. I could be totally wrong about that and not have the timeline right. No, because but... it's right there. Because like, yeah, because that's like late 80s. And then like a couple years later, he'll be in Philadelphia. And like in between that's like Dragnet. So he's trying on other things where it's like not just comedy, right? Like we're volunteers where it's like kind of a little bit of a bunch of different things. So it's one of, I think, his last purely comedic roles. I think you're right. Which is a shame because he's like, I, I think that's what he's best at, actually. Uh, yeah, it's weird because I feel like, like people kind of got tired of that act, quote unquote. And like he did try try and do like a shift and it didn't seem to work at first and i feel like when he did a league of their own it was like almost like a comeback for him and it was like an early comeback but it was like oh okay like now he can be a dramatic guy and a comedic guy and like do all this and like yeah he's versatile so i think after that movie it was like no holds barred all right mike similarly but different best freak out Okay, best freak out. So we have, oh, no, 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 you're eating the car. Don't eat the car. Not the car. What am I yelling at you for? You're a dog from Turner and Hooch. And then we have him slowly losing his mind throughout the entirety of the money pit. Then we have, there's no crying in baseball from A League of Their Own. We have Wilson in Castaway. And then we have, you are a toy from Toy Story. This, I honestly could not remember what I voted on. Being the dramatic actor that he is, I think that he is prone to be impassioned in lines and deliveries, but some of these comedic, some of these more purely dramatic, I don't know, but the one I went with, the one I went with in that ramp up that means nothing, just me just saying words, uh, I went with There's No Crying in Baseball in A League of Their Own. I feel like partly because I hadn't given that movie any other awards and I wanted to make sure it got awards because I do really love that. I don't know what was in my mind that night when we first watched it with the contenders because we were on their podcast first, Mike, and I didn't love it that night and then watch it again. I was like, oh no, I was wrong. Like, this is great. So I wanted to make sure I gave it its due. But yeah, There's No Crying in Baseball. I just love it. So shout out to A League of Their Own. Mike, what about you? What'd you go with? So we match again. Wilson! Because I also went with There's No Crying in Baseball. I love the whole ramp leading up to that line. Like, you know, he gets mad at the one girl for, like, throwing to the wrong base. And so, like, it took him longer to get an out or so. I can't remember exactly what the altercation, what the play that she sort of... She didn't, like, make a bad play. It was just sort of, like, the wrong play in his eyes. And then he just, like, can't get it through her head. Like, he just doesn't know how to communicate with people, like, at all. Like, anybody, really, at that point. And then he starts yelling at the ump and calls him, like, a penis with a hat on and then gets thrown out of the game. Like, it just keeps going. Very good part of that movie. Bob? You will be pleased to learn that this is another three-peat. You're all together on a league of their own. Do you agree? Do you personally agree on this one? Well, we've got the money the money pit handicap going on here. Of course. So uh, I'm going to go with the money pit. 
so these are two that when we do the cruisies, Mike, we did not do worst film or worst role because we're like, there's a couple bad ones. Like there's admittedly a couple bad, maybe we did worst film. Maybe we only had three nominees, but like it was so few and far between on Cruise Club and Tom Cruise's filmography that we were like, oh, like this is almost impossible to choose because there's no bad, like it's almost all like okay to great, right? Different story here. There was that one football movie of Tom Cruise with Leah Thompson. All the right moves? Yeah, remember that where I was like, this isn't a football movie. Hey man, Tom Cruise is a pick six in that movie. He's that's a that's a decent football movie. Yeah, but then he goes to work in the mines and shit, and like me not being the sports movie fan on the show was like pissed because it didn't become a sports movie. It became like a hard drama. About it's just teens. it's just a life about like Rust Belt living, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so weird. So yeah, like we couldn't have that category. It's so bizarre. So we have though here worst role and worst film, but we did not. If you are a sharp eared listener out there, we did not let you vote on worst role because when Mike and I were working on this, there's only one. There's only one thing that we would accept: the worst role that Tom Hanks has ever been. And not only was he once, but it was three times. Uh, Robert Langdon, the Da Vinci Code franchise. Boy, oh boy, what an absolute nightmare. Uh, Just atrocious. Just bad. Just bad. Just stop doing that. Indiana Jones and the Tweed Blazer. Was that what he was supposed to be referenced as? Mm -hmm. Like, give me a break. Like, this is is just... Yeah, I, uh, I I still have trauma from those films. Like, it's just, I can't. Bob, any thoughts on the Da Vinci Code books or movies? I mean, you're a big reader, you're a big movie watcher. Thoughts on uh, arguably the greatest selling airplane literature of all time? I went to see that movie as part of a college writing class in my senior year of college. They gave us the option between that and An Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore, both obviously important movies. And I picked The Da Vinci Code and I went to see it and I wrote a paper on The Da Vinci Code, but I never I never read it. I think it's a bad movie. Like, I understand who that's for, right? I understand that it's like, like we get obsessive about, about conspiracy theories and for some reason we're obsessed with the Vatican. And uh, it had been a while since we had like adventure movies like that is that did that come out around the same time as national treasure yes it did yeah i think within a year maybe like two years later it's like it's mid early to mid oos i think every like once a decade or so we get horny for that kind of adventure movie again and then and and we bring them back and usually they're pretty bad i mean yeah that time that around this time they brought back indiana jones i mean that wasn't bad we got mutt williams but you know i i take i take your point for sure Tomb Raider's the same kind of thing too, right? And that was yeah. the same around that same time too. Yeah. So and 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 we're coming back around on that on that cycle now with the remake of Tomb Raider, uh, Uncharted. Mm-hmm. There's that other movie that Tom Holland's doing with Daisy Ridley, right? Isn't that? I feel like that maybe is going to be the same thing. I feel like that's that's been on the shelf for like three or four years already. Now. Well, no, I've they're just they, they they completely scrapped everything. They're completely reshooting everything, but that's still happening. I think, right? Chaos Walking. Yeah, they shot the whole movie, and now they're going to reshoot it. Wow, that's I think so. <laughs> amazing. Written by Charlie Kaufman, or at least the first draft of it was. Boy, oh boy. Pour one out for Robert Langdon. Please never come back. Uh, Stay in your literary grave. We will never speak of you again. Thank you. Peace be with you. Mike, worst film. Not much better than worst role, but at least there was a choice here. Worst film. Hit us with these nominations. Yeah, and I'll just say I will concede that these are bad movies I'm about to read, but I enjoyed some of them. And, uh, you know, we don't have to touch on which ones per se exactly. (laughs) But uh, here we go. So, Bachelor Party. Every Time We Say Goodbye. Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Mazes and Monsters, Nothing in Common, Punchline, The Circle, and The Man with One Red Shoe. Oh, I only like Mazes and Monsters, really, and, and, and The End of Bachelor Party. Okay. All right, so... Like, The Man with One Red Shoe is not bad. It's not good, but it's not... Yeah. 
it's just wasted potential, I guess, there. It could have would have been cool to see Spy Hanks, but we didn't get that. It's a spy movie, I think. Yeah, with Dabney Coleman and they think he's a spy that he's not. They're following like it's a wrong man type Hitchcock thing. Yeah. Well I love I love a Dabney Coleman, so I will bring up another comedy bang bang reference because we are in select company here, but a Dabney Cole person film as well. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm on that Dabney Coleman podcast. You guys ever want to start one? All right. Mike, there are two films in here, and films is maybe a strong word, that are just offensively bad. One of which I've seen once and never again, one of which I've seen twice and never again. Oh, I would say then there's three films on this list that uh, could be buried and or burned or just track down every copy and shoot it into the sun. But okay. Really? Okay. But, um, you know, Bob introduced me to a Dave Eggers book that I really, really liked, uh, which was written around the time of the circle. And I can't believe that he wrote the circle because the circle is just so bad in every way. But there's a movie that I hate worse than the circle, which is a movie that I hate more than the book. Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close is not only one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but it is like offensively bad. It's 9-11 grief porn in a way that is, it feels irresponsible. And we just tore that movie a new asshole on the episode. And like, I get why people might like that movie, but also you're wrong. Like, just know that you're wrong. Like that Oscar (laughs) Isaac in uh, Show Me a Hero, just know that you're wrong. Like that gif that I used for a while. Like that's like just, it's, it's awful. I don't know how Tom Hanks was in it. I don't know how Sandra Bullock was in it. That book i never read the book but i can't imagine like it just oh boy the movie makes me so mad so mad so mad so i'm i can't believe it we don't match but I'm, let me explain myself that movie is probably you know top three worst movies i've ever seen in my life and the only reason i didn't vote for it is because there's i can't put that on hanks you know what i'm saying like part of me is like is he even really in that movie and like yes he is and his part is terrible and all the any you know all that we'll get in okay whatever but like something in me was like i have to vote for something that he's carrying you know i have to vote for something okay. that that he sank right like a movie that he killed tom sanks <laughs> and as much as you know i just fucking despise the circle and it's been on sci-fi a lot and the weird thing is like i click the channels i don't see hanks i see you know everybody else and stuff so like he's not even centric to that film enough for me i really had to go with punchline for this really i just think that movie it's like okay like it might not be the most important thing to represent comedy you know truthfully or realistically or in you know some kind of but like that movie is fantasy like that movie you know does no justice to comedians and comedy and comics or any of that like it is so dramatically unrealistic and like just comes across as like pretentious and bullshit to me and i just i really feel like i had to give it to it we have limited time left on this podcast and i had to pick my targets and choose them wisely and stuff and i was like you know what punchline like i'm just gonna lay into you for for one more time I have not seen this new movie yet, but now that Steve Byrne made the film The Opening Act starring Jimmy O. Yang, which seems like, by all intents and purposes, like kind of the new definitive movie about stand-up comedy, we can now fire Punchline into the sun. No more need for that. Uh, It's all about the opening act now, so... I don't think that there has ever been a good movie about stand-up comedy. I think there are movies where, like, like Lenny is a good movie, but I I don't know that that is about stand-up comedy necessarily, and um, Obvious Child is a good movie, but that's like... Yeah, that's an abortion comedy. That's not about, right? So... You know what? What was that one, Don't Think Twice? Or is that about improv? That's about improv, but also I hated that movie. I don't like that movie either, but like it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. The screenplay that I was writing for Tobin's class in college was about a stand-up comedian uh, when the world ends. He was going to get his first paying gig and then... uh... 
the world ended and he did not get to do that. He was a, it was a road movie. You're still going to put on the show anyway, but I never finished that script because, you know, it's called Last Laugh, which is a good title, but, you know. Oh, it's a very good title. Either called Last Laugh or Last Comic Standing. It was one of those two titles, but, uh, yeah, not bad. Bob, what did the listeners go with? Worst film, and what's your pick? for? I mean, I'm sure you haven't seen – don't watch these. If you haven't seen these, don't watch these. I but. haven't seen any of these. I think I saw Bachelor Party once, but I haven't seen any of these. But I have read two of these books. The listeners chose The Circle. That's a bad book. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I – can't I, I gotta imagine extremely loud and incredibly close takes this in a walk i agree that shit is so cloyingly offensive and not like i'm i don't really get offended by things it, it's more like i'm offended in that i think that they think that i'll fall for this shit you know yes yes so i think that's my that's my pick why i hate that movie is because other people like it like it's not the fact that i am bothered by it but it's the fact to your point that like that it affects other people i'm just like what how do you not like pull the wool from your eyes like this is so blatantly like i want to make you cry over just like shit that like we can't edge awful awful if you guys want a good laugh you can look up the the emails between the author jonathan saffron Foer and natalie portman because uh, they were pen pals for a while and they're both very clearly trying to impress each other in their email and they're both uh really unbelievably lame so i have a friend who teaches at the university of albany and he teaches a class on 9-11 and he teaches extremely loud and incredibly close every semester no He's, he's got a whole string of, of nine uh, the, the Suffering Channel by David Foster Wallace. He's got a whole string of, of, of 9-11 books, and he's a very smart guy, really, really great teacher, and uh, he likes it. He, so, so, you know, there are uh, smart people that disagree with us on this, but I just think it's for suckers. Yeah, boy, that seems like a brutal class to want to teach. Yeah. Also, a lot of people, like, start to take it, and they're just like, they raise their hand, and they're like, so who do you think did 9-11? And it's just like, oh boy, that's not what it's talking about. <laughs> Whew, okay, let us go on to <laughs> let us move on from that into the two biggest awards of the night. First up, best film. We're going to end with best Hanks role because it is the Tom Hanks podcast after all. But best film. First off, A League of Their Own, Apollo Thirteen, Bridge of Spies, Cast Away, Catch Me If You Can, Cloud Atlas, Joe vs. the Volcano, Saving Private Ryan, The Burbs, Toy Story Two. Mike, I feel like we may Wilson on this, but hit me with it. What is your pick for best film? Cloud Atlas. Yep. Wilson! One of my all-time... I could say this now, having rewatched it recently. It's like one of my all-time favorite movies. Like, that yep. movie is just one of the most impressive films. Like, every time I watch it, I'm blown away on another level. Like, it just... It's so crazy. It's so good. Listen to that episode. I think that was a really good episode. Nice discussion we had. And it's... This is not an easy category. I think these are all really good, really strong really different movies but that just takes the cake it had more than i knew i even wanted in it you know it's like that kind of thing and i do want to you know make up for what we were saying earlier in the episode about how many there were valleys in hanks the memories but like there were such high highs as well like there are so few like we thought the golden mile or whatever you're calling it, like 93 to 03 or whatever like that crazy run where like he was it was just every big movie after big movie and not movies that we all loved but like the biggest movies that have ever been made essentially right like a series of like how is this one man in all these movies and there are many that are great and many on this list in that in that time period but cloud atlas is just i love that book i raced to read the book before the movie left theaters and i was like i don't know how they're ever going to make this movie and the movie was even better than i could have imagined so i know it's not for everybody but boy oh boy i love that movie again like you one of my all-time favorites bob what do we got 
So uh, Catch Me If You Can is the, the listener's choice at 27.8%. Wow, okay, okay. Cloud Atlas came in with, with 11.1, which is tied with Joe vs. the Volcano and Saving Private Ryan, um, which is a respectable showing because this is pretty evenly dispersed throughout. With uh, Apollo 13, with came in, actually, Apollo 13 came in second with 16.7%. Okay. My choice here is, you know, my soft spot for the burbs is is noted, but um, my, my secondary choice is a write-in that I'm surprised is not on this list, which is Captain Phillips. I don't remember. Why did we cut that, Mike? I feel like maybe if I had to pick one, it might have been that, like, we felt that the performance was what stood out as opposed to the movie overall. But, you oh, know, right. the movie, the performance elevates the movie. I don't know. But you're you're not wrong, Bob. That's a that's a great role in a great movie. Yeah, that's a that's a big one for me. I'm hoping I haven't I haven't looked at the next category yet, but I'm hoping Captain Phillips is represented in that one. It is a nominee. Mike, please hit us with the nominees for the final category of the night. Best Hanks role. Okay, here we go. So, Andrew Beckett in Philadelphia, Captain John Miller in Saving Private Ryan, Captain Phillips in Captain Phillips, Chuck Noland in Castaway, Forrest Gump in Forrest Gump, Jimmy Dugan in A League of Their Own, Joe Banks in Joe vs. the Volcano, Pep Strebeck. Oh, Pep, I can't believe you made the list. <laughs> Pep Strebeck in Dragnet, Ray Peterson in The Burbs, and... Woody in the Toy Story franchise. This is one very difficult, again, because he's had so many iconic roles. But, Mike, there was something unique about Hanks of the Memories that we have not captured in other things. Like, people have been in franchises before, and Keanu was in three-plus Matrix movies, plus the new one coming out, right? Like, with the Animatrix thrown in there, too. But there's something about Hanks being Woody across four movies, and not only being so great in that role, but embodying a franchise and just being emblematic of like our childhood kind of, and like maybe mine more so than you're because you're both a little bit older than me, but like there's something about Woody just being every, like he's not even like, he's almost sometimes like the worst character in those movies, but there's something to me that is just so purely like when I think Hanks, I think Woody. And I think, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to disassociate that. So for me, Tom Hanks' best role is Woody the Sheriff, Sheriff Woody in the Toy Story franchise. Awesome. We didn't match, but I agree with everything you say. Like, he, uh, he's the face of that franchise, I feel like you recognize. He's just more simple looking than, like, a Buzz Lightyear toy. So, like, I feel like it's easier to associate Woody with Toy Story and Hanks with Woody in general. And you're right. Like, little, little kids that, like, have a Woody doll, that's their exposure. They've been exposed to Tom Hanks. You know what I'm saying? You're like less than a year old, maybe at some points. Like it's it's amazing to consider all that kind of stuff. How far his reach with the Toy Story franchise is, and uh, just how much like joy he's brought with it. However, I voted for a live action performance, and I also think that this is something that, from what I can recall, I mean, we might have gotten into a little bit of this territory somewhere along the way, maybe. But from what I recall, this is like. The only time this has really happened to a strong degree, but I went with Castaway because it's like that totally stripped down, yep, almost completely naked performance of this guy alone on an island talking to a ball for an hour. Like, an, like half of this movie is just him, and whether they're out there for real or on a set, it doesn't matter. Like the idea of it and the execution and the performance um, is just like top-notch and blows me away every time and and i really think like it's that is a very difficult performance as well because there isn't a lot of dialogue even with wilson and you have to like convey 
a lot with a little. And that guy, that character goes through a complete metamorphosis from the beginning to end of that movie. And it's all there. It's all on Hanks. And I think he just kills it. So I definitely got to go for Castaway. Now, Bob, I'm going to assume that you're going to stick with your guns to Captain Phillips here. Is that right? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stick with Captain Phillips, though. You know, shout out to Ray Peterson as well. Yeah. What did the listeners go with, though? Did they side with any of us or somewhere else? The listeners went with Woody in Toy Story. All right. This was distributed fairly evenly. So you had Woody in Toy Story with 27.8% of the vote. You had Andrew Beckett in Philadelphia with 22.2% of the vote. Uh, Tied with that, you had Forrest Gump with 22.2% of the vote. And then Captain Phillips with 11.1% of the vote. Pep Strebeck and... Ray Peterson did not get any votes, which breaks my (laughs) tiny little heart. (laughs) Well, thank you to everybody who voted. To all the math nerds out there, I think it's pretty clear that our vote total was a multiple of nine because we got a lot of repeating decimals. Uh, thank you, Bob, for, for joining us tonight to run these down. Do you have any parting thoughts about Tom Hanks's overall filmography, his career? Uh, I guess what's coming up, what's been? Any thoughts that you did not say either tonight so far or on our Lady Killers episode? I love the guy. I think he's one of the one of the you know most reliable actors, and he is not you know you, you expect a certain kind of movie from him. He's not going to be like the next Darren Aronofsky hero or whatever. But you can always you, you can count on him to bring a level of heart and decency to a film. Well, Bob, thank you again for joining us this evening. Is there anything you want to plug anywhere? Do you want people to follow you online, or do you want to bask in anonymity? I have a short story in in a, in a magazine called Paper Darts. The name of the story is uh, Heterosexuals. So look, uh, look, just Google Bobby Fisher Paper Darts or uh, Bobby Fisher Heterosexuals, which will take you to on, on a journey across the internet, which should be interesting. <laughs> is that the story that I read about the uh, the bathroom and the pronouns? Yes. It's a great story. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us and for doing this. Vanna White, you did it impeccably with such uh, a plum. I don't know if I use that word right, but thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, I didn't even, I mean, we're not on Zoom, so you guys didn't get to see my Vanna White dress, but um, I put it on just because I thought it would change my performance on the mic. Do you think it did it pay off? Yeah, I think it did. Wonderful. Mike, any thoughts about Tom Hanks or the filmography or the podcast, or the career that is? I mean, this podcast is not over. We're just going on break until, you know, another Hanks movie comes out, but. Man, it's, what a what a run. I'm actually looking forward to new Hanks stuff because the newer stuff's actually been pretty good. Uh, You know, I quite like the Battleship movie and everything. So uh, I'm looking forward to this Western. And uh, who knows, uh, we could play what awards that would have been nominated for at the end of that episode when we get there. So awards never end. We'll just keep going. Glory never dies. Chicks dig scars. I don't know. Something about maybe it's a commercial. Maybe it's a movie. I don't know. But thank you all for listening to the podcast. Thank you all for voting in the Woodies. Mike has third time to charm and also the monsters that made us uh, two monthly podcasts. One that comes at the beginning of the month, one that comes out at the end of the month. But although really like they're kind of, you know, within a couple of days of each other, right? Usually. So and then I've got too fast Too forever twice a week, which is unbearably and too much. And it's too much podcast. But if you want to go check that out every Tuesday, every Friday, talking about the Fast and the Furious and other movies that are tangentially or directly related. This lab, we are talking about Michelle Rodriguez movies and movies about memory loss. So lap seven, we're closing on closing down on that by the end of the year. We'll be done with lap seven. We'll kick off lap eight over on Too Fast, Too Forever. But for all things, thanks for the memories. Go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us. Hanks at cageclub.me. Come back next time for probably that Western movie. I don't know. There's other things. Who knows? Email us. Just say hi. Check out other podcasts at cageclub.me slash shows. And again, thank you for listening and for voting. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manson. 
and that was Van Away for the Day, Bobby Fischer, and we'll see you next time right here on Hanks for the Memories. I'm, I'm standing here uh, in lieu of my fellow nominees who are just as deserving, if not more so, of this moment. <laughs>